Hey, loop je ook mee met de Keep On Running podcast? Ik ben Hans Klimput en als gastheer van deze podcast ontvang ik telkens een centrale loopgast en een lid van Team Runners Lab. Deze podcast die duurt even lang als het PR op de 10 kilometer van onze Team Runners Lab loper. Let's run. We hebben één groot voordeel vandaag. Deze community en deze podcast die heten allebei Keep On Running. Dat is alvast in het Engels. Because today we have our first podcast episode in English. Although I cannot vouch for the Scottish accent of our main guest. She was an Olympic steeplechase runner in London 2012. 5000 meter finalist in Rio in 2016. 5000 meters in Tokyo and finalist in the 10,000 meters uh, of the latest Olympic Games, the European record holder 10K, and Commonwealth Games gold medal winner on the 10,000 meters and silver medalist in the 5,000 meters. Um, warm welcome to Eilish McColgan. Thank you very much. And next to uh, Eilish McColgan, we have a former Lotto Cross Cup uh, winner, multiple Belgian champion cross country, under 23 European champion cross country in 2015. She ran the 5,000 meters in the Olympic Games in Rio, winner of the Golden Spike in 2015 and advisor at Runners Lab in Ghent. Welcome, Louise Carton. Thank you very much. Louise, we are running this podcast at the same pace as your personal best on the 10,000 meters. Tell us what's your fastest 10K time. Well, my uh, one and only 10K was one, oh, it's a long time ago. It was 32.35 if I'm right. Okay, then you can start the clock. On your marks, set, go! Eilish, if this would be your 10K, this would be like a really short episode of, uh, <laughs> of the podcast. You just ran 30 minutes and 18 seconds, but unfortunately that's now your unofficial European yep. record. What happened with the, the 150 meters in the Great Scottish Run? Tell us. Yeah, so it was a little bit frustrating um, to find out that the course was actually short. To be honest, I had a gut feeling anyway as an athlete, like you know pace, you know distance and um, when I crossed the line I said to my partner Michael, I, I think that's out by 15-20 seconds and um, yeah, turns out my gut was right, my gut instinct was right. They said on the day they went and double checked it and it was all good but I just found out um, two days ago it wasn't but it's not the end of the world because I <laughs> ran 30-19 at the Manchester 10k and that was all verified or ratified um so that is the european and british record so i still have it it's just a second slower than than what we thought yeah but for a scottish runner would have been great to do it in scotland yeah like it was special like i mean it doesn't detract from the day like my family were still there i still had so much support from like the scottish crowd and everyone came out to cheer like it was a really special day for me um i still won the race i just didn't yeah run the time that we we thought i had yeah, I, I saw the images of uh, of the run. Looked great, looked amazing. But how is it to run there? Is it like one of the biggest races in uh, in Scotland? Um, yeah, we don't have a huge amount of uh, big competitions or certainly mass participation events like that. Um, it, it was also the first race since the pandemic as well. So in twenty nineteen, um, that was the last episode of the of the Great Scottish Run. So it was just nice to have like everyone back on the streets again. People raising money for charity. People doing their first ever. 10k the first ever half marathon it's just a really good community event so um but i know there was a lot of very very angry runners um yesterday when they found out that that it was short and a lot of um yeah a lot of pbs that have had to be scratched unfortunately 
Yeah, 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 I can imagine that uh, <laughs> people who have really put uh, a target on it and then realized, yeah, I did it. And then uh, two days later, you uh, you get to realize that it's not your personal best, but still, I mean, must be an amazing experience to run there. Yeah, as I said, I think for other runners, I, I totally feel sorry for them because I know they've they've paid their fee, they've turned up to run, they want to try and run a PB, break their personal best. So um, I can understand the frustrations of it being short. It shouldn't be short. I mean, these courses should be measured accurately. Um, but for me, it was less of a big deal, just the fact that I only ran a second faster than I had earlier in the year, and um, it still doesn't take away the records that I have. Yeah. So I don't lose anything too much personally, other than that one second. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a little frustrating, of course. To be honest, I think there's so many races, not even just in the UK, but across the world that aren't fully measured, mm -hmm. um, and we just don't know about it. They don't get re-measured unless someone breaks a record. And of course, not everyone's breaking records every single day for courses to be re-measured and uh, accurately measured. So it's maybe just highlighted the fact that we need to take course measuring a little bit more seriously. Yeah, yeah. Um, not just for elites, but for yeah the people that are paying their money to turn up and, and race uh, race a, that, that distance. Yeah, yeah. Would you have been angry Louisa. Um, no, not really, because I remember when I ran my 10K, actually it was in a summer where on the track it just didn't went the way I wanted it, but I was in good shape, so I just wanted to do something different for a change. Um, so I just I just ran a 10K, it was like not a big deal. Um, so I also didn't run for a certain PB or for a certain time on my 10K, so for me it wouldn't have been <laughs> such a disaster. Um, but I, as Eilish says, yeah, if just uh, people come there to run their PB, they work towards that race. Of course, it's uh, it's uh, it's not okay. I, they must be disappointed. Uh, but for me, it would have have not been a problem at all. Yeah. Well, why did they remeasure it? Because of so many people having like great PBs at that moment, or no, do they, you have any idea? They only remeasured because I had broke a record. So okay, when, when you yeah. break a, a European record, it needs to be measured and you need to be drug tested. There's certain protocols yeah. you need to follow for uh, the the record to then be ratified. Um, so there's loads of times in the past where people haven't been drug tested, and so it's not been ratified or. The course has been short, and this was obviously the course wasn't 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 uh, the full ten k distance. So yeah. that's why I say I imagine I, I know for a fact there's loads of races up and down the the country that are are not the right distance, but they don't get remeasured. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, hopefully it gives organisers a little bit of a kick now to to realise that they they need to make sure these yeah, courses are are legit. Very important when organising. Uh Certainly a road uh, race, uh, exactly. I can imagine. I saw the media was all over it and they were talking about this uh, human error, human mistake. I don't want to be that human. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Okay. Um, speaking of record times, um, is Paula Redcliffe still talking to you? Yeah, she's obviously like a huge uh, inspirational person for me growing up. Obviously I had my mum growing up, but for me Paula was like my generation of watching her on the TV. My mum was, was uh, too old by the time I started to watch athletics on the TV. So it's, um, yeah, it's pretty cool to have someone like that in, in my phone and sending me <laughs> nice WhatsApps yeah. when, I, when I run well and when I break records. It's, um, yeah, I feel very fortunate to, to have a role model like that. Yeah, because you broke her uh, 5,000 meters record on the track in 2021, then her 5K record on the road in 2022. 
a record on the half marathon in the same month and then followed by this new European record uh, 10k road race in May um, in an incredible 30 minutes and, and 19 seconds I mean it's, it's unbelievable what a year for you yeah it's been a, a really good year I'm obviously proud of what I've, I've put together I've had its challenges with regards to Covid um, then I caught laryngitis then I caught a hamstring injury so from the outside looking in, it looks like I've had this fantastic, brilliant year, but it's definitely had its challenges and, and up and downs along the way. But I am really proud of how consistent I've been. I've worked back from those and just made much more sensible decisions around coming back from COVID and how to build into that training. Um, it was, yeah, a good seven weeks was not good at all, but we got there and thankfully um, I've managed to piece together, yeah, one of my, one of my best years. But for me, it's it's difficult to compare records to previous years. So really, I just focus on myself. Like, as long as I'm improving and getting faster, then great. But it's impossible to compare my times to Paul Radcliffe's times with the new technology and shoes. And everything evolves and everything gets better. Science gets better with regards to altitude training and what we know with regards to nutrition and fueling. And shoes is obviously the the huge part of that. The, the new technology and shoes is just moved everybody on but for me as long as I can keep improving then I know that I'm doing something right so I don't ever really dwell too much on comparing to my mum or to Paula's years because it's it is impossible this is a completely new generation so it's almost like starting not starting afresh but starting from now and my goal really is to try and keep pushing myself to try and get so far under those those records that um that the shoes aren't aren't questioned, if you know what I yeah, mean. Like, yeah, I just yeah. want to try and keep pushing myself as much as I possibly can, so that, um, yeah, I can I can keep getting as fast as possible. Um, but yeah, it's, it's different generations for sure. Yeah, but still, you're winning and you're uh, competing against uh, people from your own generation, so you're doing a, yeah, a great job. So that's exactly what I try to look for now. I think I I won the Commonwealth Games, which I've never ever done before I've only ever been sixth place in three different events um I had won one European medal previously I now have another two from the one championship so I can I can see myself Jim and I can see that I'm bridging the gap I'm getting closer I'm also getting closer to the the best in the world some of the Kenyan and Ethiopian athletes the times that I'm running I'm getting closer and closer to that so as long as I can see myself making that improvement and getting closer then shoes aside I know that I'm still making those improvements so for me that's the what I sort of focus on and try to keep keep focused on yeah Louisa I think 32 35 is is also a very uh fast time but when you look at the times of uh Ailey's what, what do you think about her uh, 10k record yeah well it's uh, incredibly fast of course um but actually when we were talking about the shoes it's quite funny today I'm wearing like the model on which I ran my 10k I think if now I, if I would go to the start line with these everyone's <laughs> gonna have a good laugh at me <laughs> um so yeah there is definitely the that evolution uh when i was still a like elite athlete i didn't have those shoes um but it's like Elish says it's it's all about your own improvement uh and i think that's like the exact right mindset that also is going to make her even run faster i'm sure of that um but of course, yeah, it's incredible. I could only look with a lot of admiration this past summer and mainly not even like even the level uh, Eilish can run on, but especially like the combination she did. It's one thing to run like fast um, one time in a season, but it's another thing to run so many competitions at such a high level 
in such a short period of time. And that's really something, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So uh, a lot of respect for that. Yeah. So that means that you have been following her uh, this season. Yes, absolutely. I still f follow uh, athletics in uh, some kind of way. Uh, I still love it. I'm still very passionate about it. Um, I'm not following all athletes anymore because at a certain time it was not really helping me to see all the social media with everyone still um, living the professional life and performing at high level while I'll still I still wanted it at that time, but it just didn't work out for me. Um, but Ailey is actually one of the few athletes I kept on following because I think um, she's very open and honest also on social media. She shares the whole picture and not only um, the highs, but also the lows. And I think that's very, a very nice and important message to, especially also to younger athletes. Um, so, yeah, I turned into a fan as well. <laughs> Thank you. Great. Elise, are you a fan? Did you know Louisa before this uh, podcast? Yeah, obviously, I've, I've been, we've competed against each other okay. at Olympic Games. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm already, um, I, even at cross-country level, I was never any use at cross-country. But, um, yeah, I watched Louisa win her medals at cross-country and compete at a high level for, for a long time. But I know that you've... Left that, left that behind you now. So everyone has their own path and their own journey, and I can fully appreciate that sometimes the social media side of it is tough. Mm -hmm. For me, it's never really been an issue, but I can see how other people find that difficult to, because a lot of people do paint this picture that like it's all everything's perfect, unicorns and, and yeah, yeah, like and it's just it, it isn't like that. Like there mm -hmm. is, there's so many lows in sport, and there's far more lows than there are highs. Yeah. Um, and you're essentially striving and putting all your focus and efforts and sacrifices into like having one performance or one moment <laughs> in the spin in the sunshine, if you know what I mean. So the it's yeah, I think it is challenging because you almost can go online and see that if you're injured or you're struggling, you think how do these people do it? Sometimes I even see myself thinking how do they compete to this all year? Uh, no no setbacks. So I think that's why I try to make sure that. Yeah, the younger younger athletes following me, they do see that actually for seven weeks I had COVID and could barely run and I'd cancelled all my races and didn't think it was going to happen. But I've managed to bounce back from that. I then had a really disappointing world championships for me was mm -hmm. was pretty upsetting. I caught laryngitis and that was two weeks out. Then I had a really bad hamstring injury and I just did not compete to the, the level I, I wanted to or that I knew I was in shape to do. And then I had a really good Commonwealth Games. So I had these highs and lows all throughout the year. But I think a lot of people would probably try to hide it and just pretend that it was great and the whole season was brilliant. But for me, I think that's part and parcel of sport. There's always going to be these ups and downs. You're all forever on a roller coaster is what I, I visualise it in my head almost is you have these low moments and then you have a high and then you have more lows and then you have a high. Yeah. Um, Actually, in normal life, it's... Just the same way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, you're constantly riding a, yeah, a, a roller coaster, I think. of. I think I've been very lucky. My mum always said that to me when I was growing up. She said, like, if you were coming into the sport and you really want to do it, you have to accept there's going to be far more low moments than there are highs. Yeah. But those high moments feel like the best thing in the world. And she's, she's absolutely spot on with that. And I think it's the best bit of advice I think I was ever given, really, as a, as a youngster. Yeah. Did they tell you the same, uh, Louisa? Because you also started out at a very young age. Eh? I think um, both of you started running around six years old. Uh. 
Yes, but I think I was already around 18 when I really got into intense training and competition, and I'm happy for that. I wouldn't have wanted to start really earlier with that. I was really like a training person, and actually I stayed that like competition was not really my thing for a long time. I just really loved like the... Um, yeah, like the the training, the rhythm, like yeah, the planning, the structure, the um, yeah, just the toughness of training and getting it done. Um, but at a certain moment, you come to a level where yeah, you cannot um, think away the competition part. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I enjoyed it for quite some time, but actually, it's very challenging. And I think um, I think for me, maybe the lows at a certain moment were a bit um tougher than i thought or maybe um overshadowing the highs overshadowing the highs for sure um and yeah if you don't get it right anymore just yeah motivation goes a little bit away um but like Eilish says everyone has their own path their own process um and today i'm very happy with where i am in that process but for me i didn't really result in getting back at high level but i made so many other victories for myself and i think um, at the end that is what matters so the highs and lows i find it also now in uh, uh, in another life all right and you're still running yes not as much <laughs> as i would like to but it's still um yeah I'm, I'm very injury prone so even with like not a lot of running i have to be very careful um, and then, of course, I have I have to work. I started my master studies now a few weeks ago. So um, if I go for a run, it's mainly to just um, yeah to just to relax, to uh, to distract my mind. Uh, but I'm not really on a structural basis. I'm not really training towards a goal anymore. All right. Speaking about um, emptying your mind, uh, you just returned, uh, Elise, from uh, holidays. How how was it? Finally, some uh, some time off. Yeah, it was nice. We had like such a hectic year. Um, we took two weeks. Uh, the first part of our holiday was in Seychelles, which was beautiful, very relaxing. Second part, we went to Egypt, which was um, incredible, but definitely less relaxing. <laughs> had a few mishaps when we were out there with um, yeah, my boyfriend's phone was stolen on day one. So I feel like everyone tells you, oh. Like you have to look after your stuff. Yeah, like make yeah. sure, be, make sure you're you're alert. And like we travel all the time, so like it's it's not unusual for us to to travel. And we're very on top of things. But um, yeah, maybe we came from the Seychelles a little bit too relaxed. And uh, <laughs> so yeah, day one, phone was gone. Um, I then got sick, uh, some sort of virus for 24 hours as well. So it wasn't quite the relaxing uh, holiday that we had in mind, but. Yeah. You, all, you always need to look out with kebab in uh, Egypt. I know, but it was really cool. Like I've never, <laughs> I, I've never been to the pyramids. I've never been to all the temples, and there's so much history. Like it's just, it's completely mind blown when you're there. Like it really is. So I'm glad we did it. It was, um, yeah. Overall, I, I'm happy we went, and it's a bucket list item ticked off every year. We try to like tick off different things. I've got this crazy huge list i feel like i'm going to be like 85 by the time i <laughs> i click it all off um but it's yeah it was worth it it was a really cool experience yeah cool that you can also take off uh, belgium is this like a, a prolonged uh, <laughs> vacation or what's what's the reason for you being here with us today 
Um, I have obviously competed in um, Brussels Diamond League a few times, um, but I actually haven't done, again, as an athlete, like you go to the stadiums. I've seen stadiums all around the world, but I haven't seen any of that actual location. But um, no, today was testing shoes at the RS Lab here. Um, the shoes that I currently wear are being discontinued, so I'm very sad about that. Um, it's a touchy subject <laughs> right yeah, now, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So we're going through a whole. Obviously, I'm sponsored by Asics, so we've been going through a whole load of testing today to try and work out exactly what shoes uh, are going to be right for me moving forward. Because it's very important. My feet are obviously the most important thing right now um, for my job and for my work. So yeah, we've been testing all day. Yeah, yeah. Speaking about uh, shoes, uh, we've passed the halfway point. Uh, this 10K is going great, Eloise. Uh, I feel like I'm a little bit out of shape. But <laughs> <laughs> Then we can make this podcast a little bit longer. <laughs> what, 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 what would your personal best now be on the 10K, you think? Oh, that's a very hard question. Um, it depends. Can I put on some super <laughs> shoes? Super shoes. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> um, of course. No, I actually have no idea. So what... Um, I don't know what should be possible. I still think 35, 36 minutes. Let's make it 35 <laughs> at least. Okay, okay, great. <laughs> so we were talking about uh, the topic of uh, of shoes. And in this podcast, halfway through, we always have our special guest who uh, brings an item that uh, at the end of uh, the year, we will um, put up uh, for grabs for uh, um, Bashir Abdi's uh, Sport Around. Uh, uh, so that's for... Uh, uh, November, December, we will uh, make that date uh, public. But Eilish, also you have a, a great item to uh, give away for this. So tell us, what did you bring with you? Um, I just have a pair of spikes. Um, it's actually, a, it, these are brand new, so that I haven't worn these, but they're very, um, pretty much the same spike that I wore when I um, used to steeplechase at the very, very early part of my career. Um, when I first yeah became a, a steeplechaser, so it's a uh, yeah a spike, um, Asics spike, and yeah hopefully someone can get either get some good use of it or I'll sign it and um, yeah hopefully raise some money. Yeah yeah it would be great to get uh, some good value in money uh, for these uh, spikes for uh, Bashir Abdi's uh, sport around. So thank you very much nice. for this uh, this item. Um, is, it, is it hard for you athletes to say goodbye to shoes? And you were talking about, you know, having uh, the, the same brand, the same type of shoe. Louise is still wearing uh, her shoes from uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, so is that a thing uh, among athletes? Um, it is for me. Like I, I'm very particular what shoes I put on my feet because I have seven screws and a metal plate in my left foot from two surgeries and two serious injuries so anytime yeah trainers to me are, are golden like I since joining ASICS I haven't had really half of the injuries I've had previously so um I just feel like these shoes work for me they work for my body they work for my feet so I'd love to keep them but Unfortunately, the rest of the world um, has decided they want in, <laughs> they want different foam and the new phones and new technology. So I'm very much in my my old technology shoes. Um, these are very worn, but I do I love them. I love them so much. I really don't want to part ways with them. But um, yeah, we found some good alternatives today, so I'm sure I'll be fine. But yeah, I don't think you would think I'm a sponsored athlete who could just get shoes whenever they need them because <laughs> I. Once I have a pair I love, I just try and wear them, wear them out to death. So, um, yeah, I probably shouldn't shouldn't do that. But 
Yeah. So some people get custom made shoes, uh, even in other sports where they don't have like a maximum height in uh, in the foam and and stuff. I don't uh. know if you did the. Did follow it uh, last week with the winner of the Ironman in, in Hawaii and the, the oh, 50 millimeter yeah, uh, foam. Uh, I think triathlon have just gone rogue, haven't they? They just do whatever yeah. they want now. They can wear shoe wise, hundred mil uh, shoes <laughs> if they really want. So, yeah. um, thankfully, athletics has got a limit on things. So at least we know now that the shoes that are being created, like it's all within a certain spec and a certain frame, which is is good because at least I know it's not going to go too crazy. But um, yeah, I definitely need to update. Update my footwear from what I'm I'm currently got on my feet, but I do I do love them, <laughs> but I'm certainly not big time enough to get my own uh, made shoes. So these are just off the shelf, like like everyone else. Okay, because you you will need very good shoes to attack one more record time of Paula. Yeah, I think so for sure. Uh, <laughs> for me, actually, the biggest thing in the shoes is the recovery the next day. It makes a big big difference. Um, like when I wake up the next morning from uh, a 10k. Even on the track, actually, like in previous years, there's no way I could have done the amount of races that I did on track and road. But now with the shoes, the extra foam, it's like you wake up the next day and your legs are nowhere near as sore as they were previously. Um, and for me, that's been been a lifesaver because then actually you can go again. So you can do a heat, a final, and then go again another week later. Um, and I, I assume that's why you see marathoners now doing three marathons a year. Um, someone like Sarah Hall, I don't know how many she's done. It's like a crazy amount in a year. But when back in my mum's day, it would be you do one marathon, maybe two, one in spring and one in autumn, and, and that is really it. Um, but now, yeah, you're seeing athletes more and more frequently racing, and I think that's definitely down to the the added recovery, I think, from the shoes, which is a huge benefit. You you have the comfort and the technology in, in the shoes. What about the looks, Louisa? It seems to me that, that you're more like a fan of the old school. Uh, Why? <laughs> no, no, like the the color of a shoe doesn't matter to me. I'm also if if I have one model with which win or I can run and not get injured, I want that one and not another one. And then you can give it to me in pink, in yellow. <laughs> I don't care um, as long as they don't make a new version of it that is not the same anymore. But of course, that's nowadays. It's not. Um, realistic anymore uh but i did like uh, a certain pair of shoes but it's it's also it has changed a lot and now it's not my thing anymore but if i could i could also just take one shoe and then i only run with that one um but the looks are yeah they have zero importance don't you ever think uh i should have these shoes been available in my time i would have even run faster or uh, or Um, I, i would love to try it now with these shoes or well, I tried them out just just in in uh, at work in our shop, um, and yeah, it's like uh, I didn't know until I had it on my feet. I was like, wow! But in the end, you still have to do the work. You have to get the work in. So it's <laughs> the shoes don't do everything, um, but I, I don't really have something like now. Like how fast would I have run? No, I had my time back when I was at high level, and that's it. Um, the only reason why I would now start get running again and really training would be exactly what Ailish mentioned is to yeah to look where I can go for myself how how I can get better again um, but not necessarily with these shoes or of course if they are there you're going to use them but now I, I don't really have like a bad feeling about it because actually all my performances were before the time of these shoes and that's fine that's fine by me I mean it's 
it's uh, those are my accomplishments and they yeah it's not if they run faster now that my performance from that time is is worth less you know so yeah yeah because how old are you now louise um how young are you i i'm uh, i'm 28 now yeah yeah so that's almost time for a for a comeback because Eilish, you have been uh, started breaking records of uh, Paula Radcliffe um, when you yeah when you were thirty you're thirty one now mm-hmm. so the last two years you started breaking records at at an, an age while these days we see a lot of, of young athletes uh, coming to the surface and, and making breakthrough performances but you're growing stronger with age yeah like I often want like worry about younger I always not worry but like when I look back I think oh I wish I had like taken it seriously at a younger age like I see people now when they're like 17 18 19 and they're training like properly training and they go on altitude camps or they go warm weather and I think oh I wish I had like really focused on it back then because I was just at university eating kebabs and drinking six <laughs> days a week and uh and running was a hobby like it wasn't a career option for me like I went to university I studied math and accountancy and I just liked running like I was never that level to like ever really see it as a, an option um and really I made my first GB team when I was 21 and then I made the Olympics in 2012 but it happened very very quickly for me and through the steeplechase and the steeplechase was like this sort of opportunity for me to make teams because they had only just introduced female steeplechase not very yeah. many years before so the standards were much uh, easier to to qualify I would never have made uh, the Olympics over 5k 10k 1500 I was nowhere near that level but I was very close in the steeplechase and that sort of gave me this excitement of oh maybe I could maybe I could make the Olympic Games like I couldn't believe it I was just a student and then all of a sudden I had made the Olympic Games and here I was and so that really gave me this sort of like drive to think actually I could be a fo- uh, like a proper a proper runner here I could ha- this could be my job um so really I came into it 21 22 but again was still very naive as to like how I looked after myself or how I fueled my body or how the training I just thought well, I'll just train harder 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 and I'll just get better without realizing that actually that isn't sustainable at all you can't just keep pushing 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 and that was definitely my downfall as a, as a sort of uh in my mid-20s was I just was pushing all the time and so I'd get sick I'd get injured I'd fall off I'd just be tired but over the last like maybe four years we've really changed entirely my whole training setup and I definitely have to thank my boyfriend for that as well because he's come in and sort of stopped me making stupid decisions essentially and really slowed me down and said look you need to have a day off you can't just keep battering Mm -hmm. on like this or if you're sick you're not going for a run when you're ill like just go and sit on the sofa and chill out like just making little decisions like that even in in an interval session I feel like I need to do another rep oh I need to do another one he's like no you've done your session that's it like it was having like an external person there to help make those decisions I would struggle with and I think that's why I now have that longevity in my career. I honestly feel stronger and far fitter than I've ever been just because we train a hell of a lot smarter than I ever did in my 20s and certainly as I did in my teenage years. So I sort of like fight with myself in my head sometimes thinking, oh, like I know I've not got that many years left. Like I wish I had, I see like people like Gemma Riki, for example, comes in and there are Keely Hodgson's winning medals at 
20 years old I think that's incredible like it's just amazing but everyone's got their own different paths like this is mine I can't go back in 10 years Mm -hmm. and change what I did like I lived my life I had a lot of fun at university like I would I change it I don't think I would like I lived I had a great time and I think it's made me into the person I am today and like I am very very focused now and very narrow-minded into my athletics now but it's really only been over the last five years that I've made that decision and things have fallen into this sort of path but um yeah it's a strange one I think that's certainly why I I, I think I know that's why I'm here today and I'm I am getting stronger and faster I definitely don't have the same amount of training or mileage in my legs either as perhaps uh, a younger athlete would I mean for me a lot of my mileage would have been no more than 50 miles a week for a long time. Um, I do cross training on top of that, so I do cross train a lot, but this is the first year actually we've bumped my mileage up um, and I can see straight away it's made a big difference. So that's got me excited as to, I'm never going to be an athlete that runs like 120, 130 miles a year. I was actually speaking to Abdi uh, Bashir in Fontermore the other week and he said, oh, you know, for the marathon, you're going to have to start running 120, yeah. 130 miles. And I was like, Abdi... There is no way on this planet I'm ever, ever going to be running that sort of mileage. That's just not, uh, it just won't happen. Like my body would not be able to cope with that. So I have to accept that I'm a little bit different. I can't just do what everyone else does. I'm going to have to do it in different ways, whether it's swimming and cycling on top of my running. But for me, I think a max is always, I don't think I'm ever, ever going to be above 85 miles and 90 perhaps at a push. But that's me just uh guessing in the future during right now we're just gradually building up but it's been a long process but um one i think is has been beneficial for me while the whole world is expecting when you run your marathon that you're gonna break paula redcliffe's uh, record time (laughs) uh i think there's absolutely no chance of me ever breaking (laughs) her whatever it is 214 or 15 whatever crazy time it is um yeah I mean that to me is by far one of her hardest records I think it's her 30 minutes 215.25 yeah I mean it's it's absolutely insane um shoes or no shoes that's still a a pretty incredible Mm -hmm. performance I think her 30 flat on the track I used to think that was like that's pretty tough going as well but I do think I could sneak under that I think not by much but I think I can break 30 minutes on the track but the 215 marathon is completely out with my mindset right now even I just think it's uh, you never know like I'm sure once I start doing them but right now I feel like it's so alien to me the half is definitely a distance I'd like to try and get more comfortable at um right now the marathon is just such an unknown like I obviously I'm excited by it it's a new challenge for me I'll be taking part in uh London in April so for me it's really a, a very steep learning curve but one I'm excited to do but yeah time wise that's out with my my realm right now it's just twice a half marathon <laughs> yeah just keep going yeah, yeah. Keep going. <laughs> because you broke the course records <laughs> your half marathon no? yeah it was again i've been really happy with my halves i think for me it's definitely more of a mental challenge because i'm so used to coming from the track but i actually enjoy being out in the roads far more because i'm so tall like i i have more space to run i don't get clipped by everyone or usually i clip people's hands and stuff when i run so it's nice to like have my own space. I can go my own rhythm, my own stride. I feel much more comfortable on the roads. Um, but for me, it's just the the mind, like the challenge of the mind is where we're at right now. It's just a big step up to do the half. 
mm-hmm. and I actually have enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would so it's given me a little bit of confidence now for the marathon to think actually okay like I paced London Marathon to 17 miles and I really enjoyed that so um yeah only another nine miles to go on top of that but <laughs> it's yeah it's something new like I've spent so many years now on track and that's been great and it's been fun but I think at some point you do need like a new like something just to freshen things up and do something different and for me now that's the next step like going onto the roads and having like a new chapter of of my career yeah. Louisa I saw you uh you nodding at these uh stories of uh Elish you're, you're uh completely agreeing with her Uh, yes, of course. I think um, it's all it's all about the process. It, that's may, maybe it sounds a little bit cliche, but actually, at the end of the road, it's it's just like that, and everyone has to go his or her own way. And there's like um, there's no one fits all, and that's. Uh, but of course, it it takes a lot of time to um, to discover what works for me, what doesn't. Um, And at a certain moment, it's also about exactly um, having the courage to maybe not do what everyone else is doing. And also that sometimes requires some time to realize that um, it's okay to do whatever feels fine for you, actually. And that um, doesn't mean that you have to be less successful if you don't follow what everyone else is doing. So, But it takes, some, it takes time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it takes longer than 35 uh, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're already past your personal best on uh, all the 10K, but we were talking about 35, 36 for a new uh, uh, personal best now in, uh, in these times. So we're still feeling comfortable. Uh, yes, uh, actually, I would already be very happy with this. Not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> 35, 38. Okay, we'll, we'll, note, uh, we'll note that one in, in your second uh, career. Um, speaking about mental challenges, speaking about young athletes, um, one of the things that you did was... Uh, break through the taboo of uh, eating disorders with uh, certainly uh, female uh, athletes is that uh, something that, that people still talk about uh, when, when they're around you and, and um, yeah actually it's still more than I would have expected um, still get messages about it or when people come in the shop and they recognize me uh, they can start talking about it um, and actually Yeah, it's very nice because it was not easy. We also later made a podcast with some some more stories of people, which were sometimes very yeah heartbreaking. Um, because yeah, it, everyone has his or her, her own story again, um, and uh, but it feels you know I'm I'm still happy we did it. Would I do it again? I'm, I'm not sure because it was actually very intense. But I'm so happy with some reactions like um, we're happy that you've tried to put into words what we couldn't say. Um, we're happy that now finally at home we can talk about it. Um, I'm happy that I could make an appointment with a therapist that helped me. Um, I'm happy that I see my son laughing again. Um, so that's that's so... Yeah, like I get speeches uh, if I hear things like that. So I'm very happy that for some people it meant something that we try to open up about it. Um, I do, at a certain moment, I did realize um, I also want to move past this. Mm -hmm. So at, for a long time, I was people saw me as the athlete. Then they actually saw me as like um, the athlete with an eating disorder. And then I really wanted for myself, like I am more than just an athlete. Yeah. I am more than a person with an eating disorder. I am more than my eating disorder. And um, 
but actually people respect that they respect mm -hmm. uh, when you put up boundaries i learned how to do that <laughs> so very big win for me um, and actually alongside the way I, I got to know a few people their stories and i also learned if you are able to show yourself like in a vulnerable way it other people also open up and it yeah. really yeah it makes me have beautiful connections with people even with my own friends uh, my friendships got like an extra dimension um so i think it's a good thing that we did it but in general i see also like internationally um we start talking more about it and yeah. i think it's very very important yeah. um the only thing that's a little bit sad i think is sometimes we see like a shift in the other direction mm -hmm. um we still have like this very stereotype image of people with an eating disorder um but eating disorders come in so many shapes so many sizes and just from how someone looks you cannot tell if someone is suffering from an eating disorder yes or no in the first place it's a psychological disorder and that's something that that people just forget yeah. like you, you don't cannot, see it on the outside no, you cannot see it even people like um at a certain point i was actually at a healthy weight in my recovery but I was still struggling a lot. Like I was not happy. I was not feeling good. Um, but you couldn't see it anymore. So people saw I gained some weight and they were like, oh, wow, you're you're good. You're good now. Okay, let's move on. Like we don't talk about it anymore. But it was actually a very, very long process. And even now in very stressful periods, I really have to um, be aware of it and I have to work on it. I have to pay attention to it. I have to do the work uh to keep keep going on the in the right direction which is uh, certainly a good thing but it there is a lot of misconception about what an eating disorder is um how it affects people and how tough recovery actually is but um yeah so i'm happy that more people are talking about it yeah, yeah. talking about it surely helps i think also for you personally but yeah. i think for a lot of athletes uh, who got uh, confronted with you alice you're one of those athletes that that sometimes media or people outside of the sport think like oh but she's so thin so she must have an eating disorder uh, how does that affect you uh, when, when people say those kind of things yeah it's i mean i get these comments every single day like i get trolled online daily and it's always about yeah my appearance my weight uh being a bad role model for young girls and it honestly it really really frustrates me that side of things when they say i'm a bad role model because this is just me like yeah. I've never it's, it's hard for me actually to listen to Louisa say how much she struggles with with it because I've never had to deal with it so I almost not that I feel guilty that's a really weird way to say it, but I just don't have those same struggles around eating and I never have but yet from the outside people just assume because I'm slim and I'm tall that I force my body into this or that I have like a really negative relationship with food or I've had to restrict myself in some way but I've just always been like this I just I can't help it like this is just me uh, it doesn't matter how much food I eat or like I'll always I'll never ever be bigger than I am and yeah. uh, so for me it's really important from my side on social media that I make a real point of every so often when someone does say something I don't want young girls and, and young boys to look at me and think that I do force my body to be this shape and I'm doing it for my sport. So I always make a sort of 
conscious effort to say to call people out on it and say actually that's incorrect you're just looking at me making a judgment you know nothing about me at all you know nothing of how I feel my body how I look after my body and again I think that's another reason why at the age of 31 I am still here and I am still running at this level and I'm competing to the level I am so I always try and get that message across to youngsters that you need to be looking after your body right now when you're young in order yeah. to to still have a longevity in your career um I, I, my bone density has always been really high exceptionally high actually for uh for the the size of me i think people assume it will be low um i've never really missed a, a period or menstrual cycle i've had maybe one or two that i've missed through um stress so when i was younger or mm-hmm. certain things sometimes um yeah, that's just life, like external life rather yeah. than running. But typically, I'm I'm regular every single month, and again, that's a really good indicator of energy balance for young athletes, young women to to be on top of. So I try to always make a real effort on on social media to not like I don't want to keep reading every single negative message mm. and like picking out every negative part. Doesn't because, help you, no, because no, like for me as well, that's that's just yeah. and trolls will just be trolls. As yeah, well. exactly. But every so often, I do I do sort of put something out because I do want the young girls that do follow me and message mm-hmm. me to know that there is a difference. Yeah. As you said, like you can't just look at someone and know that they're uh, they're sick. Like yeah, it's, that's it's the thing. So I far more even in depth I I get frustrated when I see those reactions to yeah. you. Like I'm like you have no idea. You have mm-hmm. no yeah. idea what you're talking about. And that's the dangerous part. Like um, now in these times of social media, people have no boundaries. They give their opinion about practically everything and everyone. Um, so there's also a lot of wrong information out there. So that's why I think it's so important that um, if we talk about eating disorders, that we have a clear idea what is this um, and that exactly based on how someone looks, you just cannot tell. I think that's like maybe the biggest uh, message uh, there. Um, so yeah, it's it's just very sad that Eilish get comments like that, especially because she is one of the few athletes who really shares the entire story, also the lows. And um, yeah, then it's very sad that athletes who try to do that um, get negative comments like that. So um, yeah, but yeah. yeah. At, at the same time, I'm, I'm seeing a shift, certainly on a professional uh, sports level in, in many federations in Belgium. I don't know if it's the same in, in Great Britain and in other uh, countries, but there's more of, of an understanding that that when putting too much emotional pressure on even top sport uh, athletes um, that that could go the wrong way so I think times are really changing yeah yes uh, but I still there's a lot of work to do mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah especially for example me I, I didn't have any period for over five years which is way too long and that's that's like a thing if you meet with athletes like that, for me, that's like a red flag. I mean, just, just, I mean, and things like that, I'm not sure if uh, that is really noticed by everyone and also in the medical team. So I think there's a lot of work to do, but I think there's already the positive thing that um, we feel that things get into motion, people start talking about it. And that is something you see when more and more athletes start talking about it then they see it like mm-hmm. as a real thing, as a real problem. And then there is a chance that in the future, 
they can really work with it and 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 really make sure that it gets better for all the athletes uh, that are coming after us. So. Yeah, because I think in the past it was very much like medals and success over the human, if you know yeah. what I mean. Like I yeah. think a lot of federations yes. made that mistake of just if say a young female athlete was not taking her period but was successful they just go oh, but it's okay because they're winning and they're running fast but actually that's completely irrelevant because that might be happening right now and it's very short term but what about in 10 years time in 15 years time mm-hmm. when they want to start a family and they want to have kids or they want to have good bones so that they're healthy for later life like uh, I think that was perhaps there has been a definitely a shift perhaps in the last couple of years of Federations, I know that UK athletics in particular are realizing that yeah, perhaps the the medal mindset is is not a healthy one to go around, and it's very as I said, it's short lived. Uh, those people then disappear, and more people come in rather than us focusing on a long term. Because at the end of the day, a healthy athlete is a happy athlete, and then a happy athlete is one that's going to run fast. Um, it's it's a long term process rather than something just for short term medal gains. So. I'd like to think that's the way federations are shifting, but um, I mean, I can't talk for everyone, but I can, I can, I think I can see it change a little bit within my own federation. I'd like to think by athletes speaking up about it, um, yeah, people being brave enough to share their stories. Like, there's no doubt that Louisa sharing her story now will like have helped so many young athletes more than you even know. Like, people that haven't even reached out to tell you that it will, it will really make a mm-hmm. big difference. But it takes that person to, and it's a lot of. Stress for you because it's your story and you're having to like make yourself super vulnerable. But someone being brave enough to do that, it does. It helps so many other people. And it's similarly to me with the troll situation. Maybe coming forward and saying, actually, no, this isn't right. Like we don't have to put up with this. You don't have mm-hmm. to put up with negative comments all the time. Like there's no need for it. I even get a couple of youngsters messaging me saying they're bullied at school or they're online yeah. bullied, and it's helped them to see actually standing up for myself and not letting uh, people getting the way of, of me living my life. I mean, their negativity doesn't have to affect everyone else. So, um, yeah, I'd like to think there's a, a change is, is coming or certainly on that way. Yeah, good to hear. Good to hear. I can imagine that you also got a lot of positive comments this summer yeah. because you won a Commonwealth Games medal. Try to explain to us, because Louisa, we, we don't know <laughs> that much about the Commonwealth Games. We, we see yeah. it uh, every uh, four years, and then you try to follow the sports that you know a bit. But yeah. for us, it's like when you see like this this big sports performance in the Commonwealth Games, it's like, oh, wow, that, that, that's good. Yeah. But we don't realize what it is. What what, what do the Commonwealth Games mean to uh, to you? Yeah, it's strange for us, because especially for Scotland, like my my little nation, it's the only time that we get to represent Scotland instead of representing Great Britain. Uh, And we're just very patriotic. Like we're very, very uh, just different. It's just completely different putting on your Scottish kit and knowing that everyone's behind you. But I think with it being in the UK- Was it kit or kilt? Yeah, (laughs) even that was like honestly so special that that's one of the first times I've even got the chance to wear wear a kilt on occasion at the the closing ceremony. Um, It's just, yeah it means a lot to us as a nation and even my mum like went on to win the world championships but when I go back to Scotland people still speak about my mum winning the Commonwealth Games as if it was the same the same thing and it, it's not I mean it's a completely different level of competition but for us it is a big deal it's the only chance we get to represent our uh, our little country and um, I think the fact it was in the UK like I stood on the start line and I sort of thought 
oh, maybe England won't like cheer for me because obviously <laughs> England are still there as well. Um, but it was, it was incredible. Like every single one of the home nations, we had the most incredible support in that stadium. Um, the noise was just beyond anything I've ever been a part of. I've never been in a race like that where the crowd have been literally screaming and standing on their feet and cheering me to the line. It was vibrating through me when I was racing the last like 200 metres it was honestly going through my entire body. It was It's just such a surreal experience. Um, and then afterwards, it was obviously very emotional. Like, it's very rare I have my mum there, my dad, Michael was there, um, my auntie, my uncle. Like, very rare to have all those people in the crowd and know that they're in the crowd somewhere. So for me, it was a very emotional evening as well, just having come sixth at the previous 1,500 uh, steeplechase and the 5,000 metres, I'd come sixth place. And I just felt like I, I would have loved to have brought a medal home for Scotland at some point in my career. And I knew I've been capable of doing it, but then I've got injured or I've got sick or like something's happened. And I came into this a little bit disheartened as well because I'd had a really bad world champ, well, not a really bad world champ, but a disappointing world champ because of illness and because of injury. And I felt like, oh my God, I'm going to, this is happening again. Like I'm going to come to the Commonwealth Games in very good shape and then it's just going to disappear and I'm going to come sixth again. Um, and I really just, I wanted a medal, that was the goal, but to win it and to win it with all my family there and the crowd, the way the crowd reacted was just, it's by far the most like special moment in my career and I don't think I'll ever, ever get a moment like that again. Um, it's, yeah, it was very, very special. Yeah. Almost at the same level as the Olympics. Yeah, like I mean, it's it's obviously nowhere near the Olympic level, but that's that feeling is something that even if I went and won the Olympic Games in Paris, it would still not feel the same as it yeah. did that night for me. Also, having the fact that my mum had won this exact same race and she had done it in Edinburgh up in Scotland back in like thirty-two years earlier, like there were so many other little bits and pieces to that that like me then replicating exactly what she did. It was just weird. The whole thing feels like it didn't really happen. It was a very surreal evening for me. So even no matter what I do in my career now, I don't think I'll ever go above that one moment. Um, I mean, I've had grown men come up, stop me in the street and tell me they were crying at their TVs. <laughs> they were shouting and screaming in their family. Like it has been really, really nice. Like it's just been completely overwhelming. Every time we were just in London there at the weekend and I'm, I'm never really in London. Um, it's obviously quite far away from where I live and people stopping me on my run and when we're going to the supermarket, when we're in the airport, like it's it's insane. Um, and again, like no, for the, even if I go to the Olympic Games, like I won't ever get that. Like it was, it was very, very special. I think um, a very unique situation, but I feel very lucky that I, I had that moment, that one moment. Did, did you realize at the finish line that you won gold and, and you stepped into the shoes of your mother? Or did that moment come come later? Yeah, it was. It came later, I think. I think when I crossed the line, the first thing I thought was I just want to see everyone. I want to see all my family. So I was like looking around just trying to find them. And then I actually heard one of my my really good friends, uh, Jenny Selman, she had, we'd grew up together. We were at the same club and we like trained together when we were like 15, 16, 17. We even lived together at university. And um, she stuck at it for years and years, but it never really reached um, international sort of level. And this was her first ever Commonwealth Games. At the age of 30, she made her first team. So it was cool. Like we had both made the Commonwealth Games together and like I was having my best friend there. And it was actually her when I crossed the line 
I was looking around for my family and I just heard her screaming my name and I turned around and she was standing with my mum and like they were both crying and then I was crying <laughs> and then I saw my boyfriend Michael and then I saw my dad and my dad was in floods of tears like it was just a very emotional evening I don't think I um, ever could have pictured it like that or imagined it like that um it was very draining as well for me like the next week I really struggled then to get myself up for yeah, yeah. for Europeans how I came away with, with two medals there, like, honestly, I was just hanging on for dear life. <laughs> I was just, um, everyone said to me at the end, like, oh, are you happy with your bronze medal? Like, oh, did you not want to win? And I was like, listen, that for me was... <laughs> I was A just, victory of honest, Yeah, like, honestly, the last 200 metres, I was just holding on to just try and get keep that medal. Because um, it was, I think for me, that's the biggest thing I've learned this year as well, is having to perform at a high level, but then go through all the emotions of it and then pick yourself up and do it all again, knowing that you have to go through all the, the media of it again and just then warming up and getting excited for a race again. And it's it's tough. I think I learned a lot this year with having the pandemic having just squeezed everything into six weeks. I'll never ever have to do that again. But I feel like I learned a lot from it. Yeah. With a great finish, with a great uh, victory. Speaking about finishes, Louisa, you're uh, you're there <laughs> since quite uh, some time, but it feels like we're running at 10 miles instead of 10K. Um, so this is like a British podcast, eh? so we'll make 10 miles <laughs> of uh, of the, the 10K. But uh, do you recognize the the finish feeling when, when it's over and, and you have the victory in your pocket? Yeah, I still just, it, it's like a 10K, but then easy jog. I, I prefer <laughs> that. <laughs> no but 10 I miles can, for I you, can, no? Um, yeah, I think one day, um, if my body allows me, I'll I'll get back into a little bit more of running. So I would I would like some some road races, but absolutely not at high level. But um, yeah, ten miles, why not? I'm up for <laughs> a be, challenge. Would yeah. be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So sure. maybe we'll make it a, a runner slap uh, challenge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> With the colleagues, so that you can do it together. Yeah. I mean, you do things a lot uh, uh, together. I saw you yes. blogging uh, some time ago. In yes, absolutely. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of work to do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll plan some more of those sessions. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great. Normally, in the last, uh, in the final uh, stretch, the last kilometer, we uh, have our rapid fire uh, round. So um, I've kept this. Uh, for uh, the last five minutes of this uh, this podcast, let's try and, and uh, keep it under <laughs> under one hour. So here we go. Uh, some short, fast questions. Um, going all in for the record or enjoying the finish line party with the crowd? Or both? Uh, record. I definitely run through the line. I'm a run through <laughs> the line person looking ugly and horrific in pictures. I'm definitely not the pretty person across the line that has this beautiful Instagram picture. I am, yeah, head down through the line. Celebrate afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it's record for sure. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. All right, going for a great time. Uh, running on the track or on the road or cross country in uh, your case, Louise? Yeah, well, cross country, that's quite easy. <laughs> uh, that's a tough, tough one for me. I think I will always love track, but yeah, certainly the road seems to definitely suit me better. So we'll go road. Yeah, and then running in competition or running for fun with friends? I love competition. I love competing and, and racing. For me, that's the fun part. I don't find it sort of stressful. That I just enjoy pushing myself. I would do a little competition in a run with friends. I enjoy <laughs> it. <laughs> good one, good one. Okay, uh, super spikes or carbon road shoes? Oof. I, I do like the road shoes, yeah. It's just, they're different. Very, very different. Very fast and very different. But I like them. 
Yeah, I don't really have experience with it. So, <laughs> but I would uh, I would go for the spikes. I tried them and uh, I was uh, I was a fan. So let's do the spikes. Okay, um, one that you will recognize, I guess, because I saw your five tips before a race: ice baths or hot tubs. Um, I mean, I definitely don't prefer ice baths, but um, <laughs> that for me is a, a huge, huge staple of my recovery. So we'll have to go ice bath as much as I hate them. Yeah, I prefer ice bath as well. Actually, nice and cold. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Maybe that's strange, <laughs> but I, 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 I remember I love to do it, actually. So. Uh, uh, only after the race, not before. Okay, and then one last one. Wild parties, last night of a competition or sleeping in late the next day? Sleeping, or both? Sleeping all the time. I think that's me showing my <laughs> age there. I'm sure when I was 20, I would uh, party all night. But now, an extra hour of sleep is far greater than anything else in this world. And well, Louisa? yeah, and now I have the freedom to choose the party, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Okay, um, we're almost there. Thank you so much, ladies. Uh, this was uh, one hell of a, a podcast with uh, two great uh, runners uh, um, who are having fun running. So that's also uh, good. Uh, good to see. Uh, Elish will definitely watch out for you in uh, April, the London uh, Marathon. Thank you very much. So, um, what do you think, Louisa? Two fourteen? Is it possible? <laughs> um, no, look, I need an I'm gonna I'm gonna let Elish just surprise us. Yeah. <laughs> good idea, good no idea. Pressure. Okay. No, no pressure. A big thank you to uh, Louisa Carton and uh, to uh, Elish for uh, being with us in this uh, in this podcast, and uh, uh, hopefully we'll uh, get to see each other uh, another time next year, um, sure. and uh, we'll meet again. Dit was het voor deze aflevering van de Keep On Running podcast. Het was een mooie. Ik hoop dat iedereen goed in het Engels er doorheen is geraakt. Dit was onze eerste Engelse episode. En voor de rest zou ik zeggen, zoals altijd, keep on running. Tot de volgende.